Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us again here today in the House of Faith. Good things are happening here in our lives and in this ministry. I believe good things are happening for you, too. If God is your God and Jesus is your Savior, then good things are in store for you. Uh, take a look. I'm going to put something on your screen right now. You can see some of the progress we're making in our buy-up and build-out project here at Legacy Church. We're gearing up for the launch of the church. It's still out there in front of us, still some work to be done, but we thank God He's given us this assignment. It beats in our hearts. We're passionate about it. And even though we haven't started Sunday morning services yet, we're getting together with people from the area. We've had uh, several Sunday evening services. Uh, we call them family nights. We just spend time together in worship. We spend time together in the Word. It looks a lot like a church service, and uh, it's growing. And the people are coming, and they're getting excited, and they're giving, praise God, and we're making progress in this project. And that's why you see what you do in front of you right now about how good God has been to get us this far. And if he can get us this far, he can get us all the way. So for more information about this project and how you can be a part of it, visit us online at legacychurch.family. Find out from the Lord if you've got an assignment to partner alongside us in this buy up and build out project. And if you do, then do it. And so in faith, believing that that seed opens up a door of access for God himself to go to work in your life. Father, we come before you today. We ask you as we open your word to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand who we are in you, Lord Jesus, who you are in us. And we know that this good work that you've begun, you are faithful to finish it because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, if you've got your Bible, I want you to go with me again today to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And we have been on this track now for several weeks here on this broadcast, and it just so happens that it's the same thing we're on in Legacy Church. Um, we're talking about living life as free people. This was the direction of the Lord for us at the beginning of this year to talk to this church about our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, about the fact that it was always God's intention and plan for His man to live free. That's what He gave Adam and Eve in the garden. It's what Adam and Eve gave away when they sinned. They gave away their authority, and with that authority, they gave away their freedom. But Jesus came to get it back. Glory to God, I said, Jesus came to get it back. And with His own precious blood, He purchased our freedom. Because that's what God wants for us, is to be free and to live free. He wants His people to be free people. And that's why you see here in the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We've got to find out what Jesus has freed us from. If we want to live in our freedom, then you've got to find out what you've been freed from. Now, I can't take time to go back over everything we've been over in these broadcasts, but I'm telling you, you need to hear it. We've been on this now for several weeks and you need to go back and find out the, what, what the scripture says about God's will for you to be free and how it's always been God's plan through Jesus to bring you out of whatever it is you're in that you need out of, to break down prison walls, walls that have held you in and other people out of your life. Jesus wants you free. He came 
and he preached freedom. He came and he died for your freedom. And now it's time for you and I to live in it and the freedom that he's given us. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks specifically about some of the things that Jesus has freed us from. First of all, he freed us, the Bible tells us, from sin. We're dead to sin now. Because until Jesus, sin and death reigned over man. Death was the man. Death was in charge. But Jesus ruined all that. Jesus ruined death forever. He not only ruined death for the person who dies, he ruined it for the people who are still here. Until Jesus, when somebody died, that was it. And they were gone. And the people who were still here were left in mourning. Mourning was the only response there was to death. It was the only option. They're dead. They're gone. You now have to live in grief. But Jesus came and he ruined all that. He ruined it forever, praise God. When he died, and especially when he died in our place, and when we believe that and identify with that, then heaven records it that the death penalty required for our sin has been met. And glory to God, we don't have to live any longer in the fear of death. We've been freed from that prison too. And now when one of us dies, it's not the end. We know where they are. We know they have life eternal in them and they're in the presence of God and in a very short amount of time, we'll be there with them too. And that just sucks all the grief, all the sorrow, all the mourning out of death. And now we don't have to be locked up in that prison of grief anymore. I believe I'm talking to somebody right now who you have experienced this. Someone close to you recently has died and you've been locked up by grief, by sorrow, by mourning. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be. Jesus has set you free. He set you free. And you're going to see them again and it's not going to be a long time. I know we shed some tears. I know we do. I know we miss them. All of that is very natural but we don't have to let grief take over. We don't have to live in a prison of sorrow anymore. He's freed us. He freed us from the prison of sin and he has freed us from the prison of fear. And I want to take these things, like I said, in order. The first thing he did, freed you from sin. Well, if you're free from sin, then you don't have to live with the fear of death hanging over you anymore because that was until him the only result of, the only possible result for our sin was death. But now because of him, we don't have to live with that fear hanging over our heads anymore. And if you don't have to be afraid of death, then listen, you don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of flying. You don't have to be afraid of driving. You don't have to be afraid of the dark. You don't have to be afraid of of tight spaces, of wide open spaces. I mean, any of the millions of phobias that people all over the world are crippled by, you don't have to have even one of them. That's why the psalmist said, I sought the Lord, He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears. And He'll do the same thing for you. So if He delivered you from sin, then you don't have to live in fear. And if you don't have to live in fear of death, then really what He's saying is, you don't have to live in condemnation. Because that's what condemnation is. Condemnation 
is the, is the sentence pronounced by a judge over a guilty person. This person is condemned. And when it came to sin, the condemnation was to death. It wasn't to just a few years in jail. It was to death. But Jesus has freed us from that. I bet if I asked or somehow could ask everybody watching this broadcast right now to please tell me what John 3.16 says, I bet there's not one person who doesn't know what it says. I bet everybody watching this right now could tell me what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he did something about it. He wasn't content just to say, hey, I love you. No, he proved it. He proved it by giving Jesus to you and for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know it. I know it. People all around the world have heard those words. But what if I were to ask you what John 3, 17 says? Can you quote it without looking? Maybe some can, but I guarantee you this, it is a much smaller number than those who know John 3, 16. I believe what's happened is that Satan knew he could not hide John 3, 16. It's just too good. It was getting out. But I believe he's done everything he could to hide from the body of Christ, John 3, 17. What does John 3, 17 say? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from what? Saved from condemnation. See, when you said, Jesus be the Lord of my life, and the Bible says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. Well, that's, man, that's a mouthful. That's a big word. What is it you are saved from? Well, according to this, we are saved from condemnation. Condemnation, just like sin, just like fear, is a prison. But it's more than just a prison. I need the Lord to help me say this, and I'm going to say it, and it's going to sound like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Condemnation is not just the place of prison. Condemnation is your position in that prison, watch this now, on death row. To live with condemnation is like an inmate who's been sentenced to death. And they are on death row in that prison. Condemnation, that's what this is all about. That guilt, that shame. And when we talk about condemnation, so much of the time when we preach about it, we preach about the feeling of it. And there is, that, that is part of it. We talk about the feeling of shame and how you've been freed from that. And, and then that's true, but that's not the whole picture. Condemnation was about the death sentence that you and I deserved. And thank God for Jesus, who has set us free, who came, and it's like, it's like we were sitting there on death row, man. And it's like we were next in line. And Jesus showed up, and he said, I'll take your seat.
He said, I'll sit there for you. I'll go in there. I'll take this punishment. Yeah, I know it was you who did it, but I'll take your seat on death row. Man, it just comes all over me what Jesus has done for us. He wasn't sent into the world to condemn us, but that the world through him would be saved from condemnation. I'm bringing you good news today. You are free. You are free. You are free. You are free. And I don't know what you've done. I don't know how serious you think the crime is or how much you deserve punishment or maybe even death itself. But I'm telling you, Jesus took your place on death row and you are free from condemnation. So quit trying to punish yourself. You're here in the book of John. Turn over to chapter 8. Man, you are going to see this in demonstration. In John chapter 8, it says in verse 2, Now early in the morning Jesus came again to the temple, and all the people came to Him, and He sat down and He taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to Him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to Him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, they just interrupted. Everything Jesus was saying, everything He was teaching, interrupted the whole thing. Come dragging this woman who they say they had caught in the act of adultery. Threw her down in the midst of these people. Can you see the shame associated with this? They're trying to shame her, but not only shame her, the Bible's going to tell us in just a moment, they're looking for something to accuse him with. They said to Jesus in verse 5, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What does stone mean? Put to death. They are bringing this woman and they have put her on death row. And they're ready to execute judgment right then. And they said, Moses in the law commands that we stone this one. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Man, I love that about Jesus. He realizes the seriousness of the situation, that this woman's life hangs in the balance of what he says. But what you got to realize is that it wasn't just her life on the line. It was yours. It was mine. They said, the law commands us to stone her. What do you say? Can you see the position he's in here? It looks like he's got two options. Stone her, don't stone her. And they're looking for something with which they can accuse him. I don't know if these guys know it or not, but they are being used by the devil because he is the accuser. Condemnation is his thing. He's the accuser. He's the one that's always bringing accusation. He's trying to hold it up in your face. And then if he could, he'd hold it up in the face of God himself to accuse you, to get God to condemn you. These guys are looking for something to accuse Jesus with. And if he goes with stone her, 
Well, let's take his other option first. Don't stone her. They came to him and said, the law says stone her. And if he says don't stone her, then he's broken the law. And Jesus didn't come to break the law. He came to fulfill it. If he breaks it, then this whole thing is off. He's no longer the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Why? He broke the law. But then if he says stone her, then all these people who've been drawn to him by his compassion and his mercy and his kindness... They leave confused thinking, man, he's just like these hard-hearted so-called religious hacks that we have to put up with every other day. So it looks like bad options, honestly. So Jesus is down there and he's waiting. What's he waiting on? He's not going to say anything until he hears his father say it. So he's waiting on a word from God. He's waiting on the witness of the spirit within him. He's waiting on the wisdom of God. Man, this is good for you and I. When we're in pressure situations like this and when people are hovered above us demanding an answer, wait. Wait on a word from God. Wait on the wisdom of God. Wait on the witness of the Spirit of God. That's what he did and he got it. He stood up from there And he said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Man, nobody even knew that was an option. Nobody even knew option C existed, but he found it out from the Spirit of God. And what happened as a result? Those who heard it, verse 9, being convicted by their conscience, went away one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, here's his question, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus rescued this woman off of death row with a death sentence hanging over her head. They were ready to pick up stones and put her to death. And he rescued her off death row. And he did it with these words right here. Whoever is among you without sin, let him throw the stone. And when all those guys, those religious guys convicted by their own conscience, walked away. That left one person standing there. One person without sin. One person who actually had the right to pick up a stone and throw it at her. There was one person out there that day who had any right to condemn her. See, I don't have the right to condemn you. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8 and says, Who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died for us and justified us? He's not going to condemn us. See, that, what he's saying is, I can't condemn you. You can't condemn me. Why? Because I'm guilty of all the same stuff you are. You're guilty of all the same stuff I am. 
That's why I can't condemn you. And that's why you and I should never be vessels of condemnation or shame on other people. You know, you want to know what some, here's some words that should never come out of your mouth. You should never look at another person and say, shame on you. That's devilish. That is devilish. You and I are not the condemners because we have no right to. We're not without sin. We're guilty just like whoever it is you're mad at is guilty. So why don't you give them the same grace that was given to you? There was only one person left standing out there that day who had any right to condemn this woman to death. But instead of condemning her, you know what he said? Neither do I condemn you. But that's not where he left it. What did he say? Go and sin no more. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a big revelation. This woman and everybody out there that day had been told that their whole lives. Don't sin. I mean, don't commit adultery. That's one of the big ones, right? I mean, that's one of the main ones. And they knew the penalty of it. And yet people found themselves guilty of this sin and others. So why... Why is Jesus saying go and sin no more any different than anything they'd ever heard? Well, you have to consider not just what's being said, but where it's coming from. Who's saying it? For the first time in human history, the command to go and sin no more came with the power to go and sin no more. That's what Jesus gave this woman when he freed her from condemnation. And here's what we have to understand. This, this thing called grace that Jesus has given us, he understands it's a risk. By not condemning that woman, he risks her going out and doing it again. But grace is willing to take that risk. Why? Because he intended for you to be free. And for you to be free, you have to have a choice. And what he's saying is, I'm asking you to choose me. Choose my love. I love you. And instead of condemning you, I'm liberating you. I'm giving you freedom. I've got one minute left. I've got to read this to you from Romans chapter 8. I just quoted it to you a moment ago, but listen to this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen? who is at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Jesus, the only one who could have condemned us, chose instead to die in your place, to be resurrected and to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And when Satan comes before the high court of heaven with accusation against you, your advocate, your lawyer, Jesus himself, he turns to you and says, just say what I tell you to say. And when Satan says, you did this and you did that and you are guilty and you sinned, you sinned, you sinned. How do you plead? You just lean forward in confidence. You say, I plead the blood, the blood, 
that cries out mercy. Oh, glory to God. Who is he who condemns? It's not Jesus. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword? No. All these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You want to know how to be free from condemnation? Believe how much you're loved. That's it. That's your key off death row. That's your, that's your liberty. That's your freedom to know and believe how much you're loved. Glory to God. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.